so excited. Pictures are going up on my website now. Everything's looking gorgeous. I'm super excited to show it to you guys here in the next coming weeks. So head over to anythingbusinessshow.com slash zimventures. Get started for yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Amsterdam Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana, and today we are here with Terry Trainer from Narrow Street Films. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So I want to learn all about you. I know you have a pretty interesting history. <laughs> That's how I, <laughs> I kind of been following you without you knowing it for a little bit. Oh, just, uh, cool. You know, not weird or anything. No, no, no. But, no, <laughs> not weird at all. Yeah. So let's get, uh, let's get the history and kind of go from there. Okay. All right. Well, um, I... Uh, Blue collar guy, I've been working my whole life, and uh, somewhere along the lines, I started making movies. And I often get asked, "How do you get into filmmaking?" I say, "Well, if you like me, you were a loser who had no friends, so you stole your parents' camera and made a movie to try and feel cool about yourself." <laughs> but, um, uh, but no, what I did was always into storytelling and writing and performance, and um, wrote books, and always wanted to act and realized that being a 15-year-old boy, no one actually wants to hire you to play the parts you want to play. And so I came down to this conclusion that maybe I'll make the roles that I want to play. And so when I found out that writing scripts took a lot less words than writing books, my little ADD mind was just like on fire. Like, this is great, you know? (laughs) This takes a lot less words. We can get this done a lot quicker. And so then I just started writing scripts and then um, started experimenting with filming um, I say experimenting, that's being polite. I failed at creating um, a couple of short films that I tried to do. And um, like most uh, like most artists, you have some sort of like emotional traumatic thing. I got engaged at 17, and then it broke up at 19, and I started a job that I didn't wasn't happy at. And so the next thing you know, I'm like, I got to put all this energy somewhere. And I went back to filmmaking, and I made a film, and I was the most it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life to get that done. Um, and because it's hard, man. It's like, you know, yeah. the, everything, the whole world seems to go against you. Nature seems to go against you. I was actually regaling the tale to someone the other day. Um, you remember the Mother's Day flood from like, I think it was a Mother's Day flood. It was 2006? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That weekend, I was supposed to film the last scene for the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That week, you know, the power, like, power went out, half yeah. power went out. I actually took a day off from work. The look and I had a location lined up. It was the last scene I was supposed to film for the movie. The location flooded out. The power all went out, and I had three days off with a computer I couldn't work off because there was no power in the in the location I couldn't shoot at because it was flooded out. I was like miserable, but that was the uh, that was the weekend. And eventually, I did get the sequence uh, yeah. shot. I finally, filmed the last scene. I filmed with two cameras. And one of the cameras decided to shit the bed. And so I had to go back and like refilm a section of it, even though I couldn't get the actor to come back and do it. So I had to make this really awkward editing. But I, I fought through and uh, I got it done. And uh, there was a phrase uh, from um, Silicon Valley, which is done is better than perfect. Yeah. And I had something similar, which was that um, when it comes to creating your artistic project, you have to find um, good enough. Because good enough gets the job done. Yeah. Um, and we can't make perfect. Yeah. Perfect doesn't. Perfect doesn't happen. Perfect happens. We can't make it. Yeah. Um, you know, no way in hell we can make it. And if you struggle for that, you'll be, you know, you know, you you'll just you'll never get anything done. Yeah, you'll never produce a film. No, you'll you'll, you'll never never, never see it done. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, real creativity doesn't come from freedom. Creativity comes from restriction. 
Mm. If you want to find out how good you really are, you know, I mean, do you have kids? Four. You have four kids. You have four kids. Good for you, man. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good for you. Um, so, so you know, you know this. You don't just give your kid everything. Yeah. They're never going to learn that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to challenge them. Yeah. You know, if um, and so the the greatest one of the greatest gifts I ever had was like my dad didn't help me with like any of my films at all, and he he said that he didn't want me doing this because for him he didn't want yeah. me doing this to please him. And uh, you don't really understand that when you're, you know, a 14-year-old kid. Um, yeah. Dad saying no to you. That's all you hear. Um, yeah. <laughs> but as a result, you say you really kind of get down to the core question of what are you really trying to do? What do you really care about? Yeah. And any one of these people who get uh, famous or anything like that right off the bat, we, we've seen the story over and over again. They end up going down to a dark place because they can't handle all this fame and, and fortune. And it's kind of it's sad because they never had the time to really – or the struggle to really find out really what it is they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I've sat across from a lot of filmmakers, and um, I, I don't know how someone heard about me once. I was still working at the Walmart warehouse, yeah. and I get a call from this guy from Connecticut, and he says, oh, yeah, I want a mentor to you. I'm thinking, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> how the fuck did you find out about, <laughs> about me? You know? And he sa- I said, dude, I... I I, I'm, I can't drive down to Connecticut. I said, gladly have a sit down, a cup of coffee with you if you want. He said, but I work in New, I work and live in New Hampshire, so it's going to be hard for me to find time to drive down to Connecticut. Yeah. I was willing. He said, tell you what, I'll drive up there to meet you. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure, fine. Uh, so he drove up from Connecticut and um, and met me after work. I, mean, I come out. I was working at a warehouse. I had cut off sleeve T shirt. You know, I yeah. mean, like I couldn't look much more hick. I had glasses, a baseball cap backwards, and like like ripped shorts, and yeah. you know, and beat up old sneakers. Went to Applebee's. I mean, it was just like yeah. we're in Epping. We're just we met up there and we chatted. And and I, I he was talking about this film that he we wanted to make. I said, cool. I said, uh, why don't you make it? Oh, I can't make it yet. I said, do you have a camera? He goes, yeah. I said, okay. Well, then why don't you go out and make the film? And he goes, uh, he goes, no, no, I, I can't, I can't make it. I said. What's the film? And essentially, it was a Rocky-style story. So okay. The most complicated location was a, was a gymnasium yeah, yeah. that had a ring in it. I said, that's a, your most difficult location. Everything else is just regular homes, houses, and streets. I said, so if you can find that gymnasium. He said, oh, I already got the gymnasium. I said, so you already have the gymnasium. Right. Yeah. You already why, have the why gymnasium. Aren't why aren't yeah. you doing this? You know, you already have the camera. You have the script. Mm-hmm. What's stopping you? Well, I, I can't. I said, why? You know? Well, you know, the, yo, I don't have the money. Money for what? You have a camera. You have a location. Yeah. What do you need money for? The one thing you absolutely need money for. It's a definite. Money is a commodity. It's not the and it's not the thing. It's yeah. a tool. It's not the tool, um, and it shouldn't be the reason to do pretty much anything in life. Um, I said the only thing you absolutely need money for is insurance. And if you run a small enough company, it doesn't. You don't need that much insurance. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing you can't cheat on when it comes. That's what you absolutely need money for. Everything yeah. else you can, you know, beg, borrow, and steal to get locations and actors yeah. and crews and stuff like that. And um, I, he said, "Look, I'm I'm willing to work at what I, I'm willing to work for what I dream. What my to work for my dream. I just don't want to do anything I don't like. Hmm. That's work. The, yeah. the thing you don't like <laughs> is 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 the work. He goes, no, no, I, no, I, you know." I, but I'm willing to work. I just don't want to do anything I, I don't want to don't want to do. I said, well, that's the work part. I said, do you like loading trucks? He goes, no. I said, I'll tell you what, buddy. When you make a film, 
you better be good at loading a truck because that's what you pretty much do all the time. You load yeah. with equipment, you unload equipment. <laughs> you know, I said, I don't like doing it, but that's the work part. I said, Every, that little fundamental work part. And no one ever stopped. I think I think someone either told him he couldn't or someone didn't challenge him to see beyond it. You know, and the yeah. one thing my dad did was he challenged me to say, if you really want to do this, then don't say you need my help. Get it done. Find a way to get it done. You know, yeah. uh, be willing to defy me for, you know, for, you know, for this. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's just kind of, um, so as a result, it, you know, I found out that it wasn't about, you know, any type of fame or anything anything like that. It just, I really liked these stories, and I really had to see them get told. Um, and really had to see them on screen. These are yeah. characters I wanted to experience. Yeah. And so, um, and so someone asked me once, well, what's your plan with the film company? I said, well, I want to make movies. They said, well, you're already doing that. I said, yeah, I know. I said, so I guess you've already accomplished what you want. I said... <laughs> Yeah, because I, I said, yeah, I guess I'm doing pretty fucking good. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, um, I, you know, it's like, it sucks to be you, I guess. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm happy. And like, but people don't see it like that. They usually, they usually do see the fame. They usually do want the, you know, the fortune. There's nothing wrong with wanting a career and something like that. You should pick something a lot easier than the entertainment industry. Mm. There's a lot better, easier ways to make money if that's actually your, your goal. But can't they're not allowing prestige to get in the way and luckily no one was willing to be nice to me when i was starting out no everyone was willing to tell me how crappy all they they thought my my films were and so with that you really dig down deep say why am i really doing this why do i really care yeah and uh, that's kind of how i've run the company ever since then is trying to find something real true and um true to the story true to a genre um, true to your crew, true to yourself as a creator. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, truth and respect, I think, is a way you got to make movies. Respect for your audience, too. That's a very big thing. I don't yeah. think a lot of independent filmmakers have that idea that they really ought to respect the people who... Because you're, you're, really, you're, not, you're nothing without an audience. Yeah. You know? Um, if you you got to have respect for the, for the viewers, you know? Um, for their vulnerability and for their, um, their desires. Yeah. So you have to find somewhere in between to challenge them just a little bit, um, and to you know, and to fulfill what they what they want to yeah. without losing yourself in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I think well, just going down that road, I think that's not even independent. I think a lot of big movies miss that too. Absolutely. And yeah. Because there's always this. I, sometimes, I mean, I understand recording a movie to tell a story, and mm-hmm. sometimes you have a message you want to get across. But man, sometimes they hold your hand like you're a fool. Yeah. And you're like, I don't need you to walk me through this seven times. I get yeah, it. Right. You know, just you can be a little more vague with it and, you know, don't insult my intelligence. Yeah, no. With how you end the movie or how you like, yeah. They either go way too far yeah. and they, they make you think like you're a child and you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, or they leave what is known as an open ending. Mm-hmm. You know, an open ended story is. Every other independent film you're going to go see is going to have, a lot of them is going to have an open ending. Yeah. Right? Like, they don't tell you how the story ended. Okay. To me, that's called cowardice. Like, you didn't have the balls to finish the story and own the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? Um, but someone said, well, it's an open ended. you got to sort of come up with what you think the ending is yourself. Yeah. I said, you know what? I, I can sit in a room and tell myself a story for free. I don't have to pay for a movie ticket to go, yeah. <laughs> to go, go tell myself a story. But that, you know, that's disrespectful. You know, sometimes you always want to leave a little question to make you think, but every movie's got to have three things. It's got to have a beginning, it's got to have a middle, it's got to have an end. The yeah. people who pay to see this deserve that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and and, yeah, and I see that as a big trope, and even way back when I was in little school, mm-hmm. um, 
I think it's a story of uh, the Coliseum and the Three Doors, and mm-hmm. you know the story I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, um, I think is the the man has to decide which of the, th- the two doors to open. Right. I think one of them's a lion, one of them's. Um, oh yeah, I've, I've heard this. The fable a, a, of some a beautiful sort, right. woman. Right. Yeah. And but they don't tell you the ending. Right. They just say the woman tells him because it's his love. Right. And he's. He, pick one of the doors, she tells him which one she knows if it's the lion or the woman. Right. So she has to decide, does he die, but you don't want to see him with another woman, or you let him live with another woman, but you see him live. Right. But they don't tell you the ending. They stop. I think we all know the ending. It's the lion, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought, but it it essentially comes down to, you know, what you want the story to turn out to be, and... But, but again, I'm like, just tell them the ending of well, the what's story. What's the moral? Like, yeah. I mean, what, what, like, what are you really teaching someone here? Yeah. You know, hey, figure it the hell out. Like, I mean. Yeah, and I guess it's uh, more of a, you know, question and how do you rationalize, you know, what someone's going to do and from a moral standpoint. But like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, tell me the rest of the story. Just right. give me an ending. I can imagine another ending all I right. want. Or even shoot two endings. I see it all the time in movies. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that. well, you know how much gets changed after it goes back to the studio. Talking about big budget films, there's this. Um, people say, "Why?" You know, uh, I said, "Realize that when you people are sitting down to watch an independent film, one of the biggest things that audience members feel proud about is they feel like they're allowed to judge this film because they know where you come from and they know where you work. So yeah. they're allowed to talk shitty to you, unless they're your friends who, um, you know, are just trying to make you feel better." Um, but they're allowed to talk crappy to you because, you know, I know this guy, you know, mm-hmm. so I can talk crappy to him. He's not real. He's yeah. not real. Well, a story is real. If it's, if it's written, it's real. Yeah. It's there. It doesn't matter whether a million people saw it or a million people didn't. And the thing I seem to used to get in conflict with people is I would tell them, well, this film was, they would be like, this film is really popular. I'm like, that doesn't mean I like it. Yeah. Just because someone's popular, just because it's popular doesn't mean I have to like it. It's, you yeah. know, you know, it's a, it's a story. And so they... They, f- they fight so hard in Hollywood for the numbers, and you have to realize that they, it is a business. Yeah. You know, and th- I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the business, but you have to realize that it's a business that is derivated by people being entertained and yeah. people being appreciated. And the other element is you have to be responsible for how people are going to react to this. Um, perfect example being Back to the Future. Gotta love Back to the Future. Yeah. When they were originally making it, um, the original story didn't have a car it actually had a refrigerator it was a time machine yeah. one of the producers in Hollywood said no way in hell it's going to be a refrigerator and the reason why is he said kids are going to watch this movie and then start locking themselves in refrigerators because they think they're going to I mean so that's a that's a that's a responsibility it was like yeah. I'm got to be responsible that people will be influenced by this and it's silly that someone could be influenced by this but why do we create stories if not to inspire yeah so and then with that Understanding that you can inspire, you can get people to think. All you were thinking at the end of that story was, what the hell was the ending? You didn't yeah. think about it on a moral stance. You didn't think whether she was right or whether she was wrong. You didn't think whether he was right or he was wrong because you didn't have an answer. You couldn't make a call because there wasn't an answer to the story. Yeah. You know, and that's where I have these issues with some of these films not ending without owning whatever the storyline is. And in Hollywood, they, they get so, they get overly worried about certain things. We can't tick off everybody, you know. We want to make sure everybody uh, likes this movie. I think that's like your Avenger films and stuff like that yeah. have a tendency to fall into that category. Um, that's the wrong way to go about doing it, too. I mean, you should always think about the level of responsibility. You should always think about trueness to whatever story that you're telling and realize that 
you're not going to please everybody. It's yeah. just, you know, it's just not not going to happen. Don't disrespect the text. I mean, don't. it comes from a comic book, so don't disrespect the comic book. Yeah. Try to play best because those are the people who are going to win it. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to make it work. Remember the movie Noah with Russell Crowe? Yes. I never saw it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it flopped horribly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I was, yeah, it flopped terribly. Now, which is weird because um, typically a Christian film, a Christian, or I should say a biblical story, will have uh, a natural following, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. From, from a financial standpoint, it's almost always a fairly safe bet to make one of these, to make one of these films. Yeah. Um, because there's, you know, especially in especially Old Testament, they usually get Christians and Jews who would be interested in this story. And I was talking to a guy at work, and I said, I heard about the film, and I heard they completely changed the story. Oh, yeah. I said, that's stupid. And the guy, the guy went off, and he was, um, he was, an, you know, he was an atheist, and he went off and said, you know, maybe the story's not true. Blah 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 blah. And he went off of me. I said, look, beyond whether the story was fucking true or not, I said, beyond that, I said, look at this from a producer's standpoint. Yeah. You have a story based on a book that probably has the largest fan base in the entire world. Yeah. With a story that is over two thousand years old. All right. There's no misinterpretation of the story. The story has stayed the same for like thousands of years, and you think that you have the right to just go ahead and change it? And you think everyone's just going to accept this? Yeah. You just slap the face of the largest fan. You could have had a you know, multi-billion-dollar movie if you stuck to the story everybody knew. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what was? What were you going to gain by this? You're going to get a couple of atheists say, "Yeah, you know they they slapped the and you went broke. It went." lost a ton of money. Yeah. You know? And I can, like you said, I could totally understand making small changes. Right. Like small ones. Right. But I saw most of that movie and they weren't small changes. <laughs> like, <laughs> they had a couple of events that were similar but it was nothing like it's played out in the book. Right. And, and I totally get it but you're right. You can really misstep. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's it's like all of a sudden making Spider-Man, um, it's like going to Spider-Man. I'm going to make a Spider-Man movie. Okay. Um, but instead of him, you know, uh, being called Spider-Man, we'll we'll just call him. Uh, you know, we'll call him George. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes around being called George. Okay, that's stupid. Why would you do he, he's Spider-Man? Instead of him having a red costume, we'll have him have a, a, a black costume, like Venom. No, we'll actually have him have pointy ears. We'll put a cape on him. All right. And instead of it being a young high school kid, we'll make it a seventy-five-year-old woman. Like, what the hell's the point of all this? <laughs> like, you know, you're just going to tell everyone that is a fan of this, everyone who will pay you money. So, from a business standpoint. It doesn't make sense either, and that's what yeah. I was trying to, you know. And I don't care whether you agree with the story or not. That's for a business standpoint. This was a dumb move, you yeah. know. And it it showed it showed the way it is. You had a yeah. very easy sell. I was gonna see the movie until my Christian friends told me, "Don't. It's dumb." Yeah, yeah they changed like the story. It's way off. I'm like, how do you change the story? This is like, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah. And the, the the problem they had with the movie is they went down the same road they went down with Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Where it, it tends to have a certain feel to it, right? Where it's a little lighter. Um, I mean, yes, there's a huge moral point to it, but right. they, they wanted to make it darker and more gritty. And right. Man of Steel didn't do well either for the same reason. Yeah, I personally liked it. For that I personally reason, liked but too, but I'm not a Superman fan. Exactly. Right. Yes. I don't like Superman. I think <laughs> right, it's boring. Yeah. Right. And the fact that they made it a little darker, I liked it, it into that, my right. area. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's like it's from. Yeah, you know, I'm glad they did it because I like the movie. You yeah. know, what I mean, but from, but I wasn't a comic book yeah. Superman fan I mean so I don't know what they were I don't know what they were thinking you know yeah. <laughs> you know and you know that but if you look at everything in a sense of truth um, and respect um, there I mean I've written a lot of scripts and we finished I mean we made 
eight feature films, and I, I wrote seven of them myself. Hmm. So um, three of them were sort of modern-day westerns. They were within a story. Uh, one was a, um, a buddy cop action film kind of made like Midnight Run. Yeah. Another one was a 1940s slapstick comedy made like an Abbott and Costello film. That was a lot of fun uh, to write. Another one was uh, another a sort of chase buddy film. Um, and one of them that we wrote, I didn't write it, but my sister wrote it, is a, is a murder mystery. And That's so, awesome. yeah, uh, like a BBC style murder yeah, mystery. So we get, cool. we get over, like a really weird variety of tastes. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's fun. Thank you. Um, so we, uh, someone said, well, I mean, these are your stories. I said, well, not really. He said, what do you mean? I said, it's, uh, why would I take ownership of this? So this is a culmination of the stories that I was told. Mm-hmm. and the information that I was given and the way that I was raised and what I went through in life. And this is just sort of my adaption of all these elements. I didn't invent storytelling. I didn't invent the murder mystery film. Yeah. All right? I didn't invent that genre. I didn't invent buddy cop genre. Yeah. You know? And so what I, some would say, we'll do what I like, the murder mystery film. I'm very proud of it. We did, a, in my opinion, a very good job yeah. making the style. We actually really made the film that we truly envisioned in our head. We got to see it. Um, and so I said, well, do you like BBC Murder Mysteries? He goes, no. I said, well, then you're not going to like this film because that's what we, <laughs> that's pretty much what we made. If yeah. you do like BBC Murder Mysteries, you may like this one because this one is that type of film. Yeah. And But respectful for the fact that there is an audience for this. It may not be a large audience, but there are people, we're an audience of it, both me and my sister. We're we're fans of this, this type of, of film, so let's, you know, Let's let's show respect to how we would want to see this this type of movie. Um, show respect respect to what a murder mystery st- story is. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a BBC style murder mystery. So there isn't going to be an alien invasion all of a sudden. And that's not how these stories. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's not how these stories uh, go. The one thing a film that didn't do well, and I don't know why, because it was actually based off a comic book, and they did it. I guess they they stuck pretty closely to it. Was Cowboys and Aliens. And one thing okay, I was very yeah. surprised by it, um, that I'm a big Western fan. Mm-hmm. You take out the alien element, even with the alien element, it was a Western. It was a Western, except the only thing that was different was they were fighting aliens. Yeah. But the whole premise was Western. The way yeah. it was shot, the way they talked, the way that the story developed, the way they introduced the villains, everything was done in a Western. So that is like one of the rare occurrences where you can sort of cross a genre. And in my opinion, a lot of people didn't like it, but I liked it. Um, and I'm a huge Western. I'm very critique uh, Western. And I like alien invasion movies, yeah. too. And that was like one of those few times, but it was respectful to the Western genre that they were only going to put these villains, the alien villains, in a way that fit with the Western story, yeah. the Western movie. Hmm. And so, and like that to me, you know, it, you have to respect, you know, yeah. the people who have come before you, you know. Yeah. Um, and be, you know, explore a little bit, but understand where the borders are, you know, yeah. understand, you know, so. Yeah, and like so you can shift borders, but maybe gradually. <laughs> maybe, yeah, be careful. Yeah, like uh, give people a little bit of heads up, you know, and that's respect to the audience. Give them a little bit of heads up. This is not going to be the yeah. the film you're, exactly you're anticipating. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, you know, you know, give them a little bit of a warning on that, you know, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to chat your ear off. No, that's perfectly fine. Um, We're actually going to take a quick break for the sponsors, so everyone hold tight. So the groundwork is laid out for my new book. I'm super excited to show it all to you. Um, We've got the forwards pretty much ready, good to go. Uh, The content, everything, the questions I'm going to ask, everything is almost ready. So now I'm going to start reaching out to the businesses I want to implement into the book so I can tell you their stories. But it's uh, it's not going to take too long, so I'm hoping by October time frame, 
will be set, ready to go, um, and our book will be out there for everyone. So everyone stay tuned on that. It's going to be phenomenal. Okay, cool. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I love everything about this conversation because um, a lot because you said it earlier. Movies are business. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in a lot of industries, namely, namely churches, um, education, and like stuff like that, mm -hmm. they don't realize they're businesses. Yeah, <laughs> but they are. Right. Yes. Right? <laughs> Depends and, uh, upon what they're selling. You know, yeah. what what the their audience is and what their what people are expecting yeah. out of it, right? Yeah, but a lot of them don't realize what they are. Yeah, and <clears throat> you're right; what they're expecting is a little bit different. But mm -hmm. that's why I, I wanted to have this conversation because it's fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, because there's tons of different levels of people who make movies, and mm -hmm. I love like me and my wife. We have a passion for like super B-list horror movies. <laughs> love them, love them to death. They're hysterical. My, my brother loves a super B-list monster, uh, uh, like uh, shark attack movies. Yeah, and stuff they're like so that. fun. Yeah, yeah. And he keeps going. When are you going to make one of those? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he keeps asking me that. But like. <laughs> But I don't know if you know you're familiar with the series, but um, what was it? It was it's called. Sorry, it's been so long since I've looked at them. But it was the um, it's a After Dark Horror Fest. Yeah. Um, they did like eight movies to die for, and they did did them a whole bunch of years. Mm -hmm. But it showed that you could take amateur movies and actually really do a good job with mm -hmm. horror genre, because I don't know what it is about horror, but I can never get them to release good horror movies like. They never do a good job. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like I, I now I'm I'm like the one of the few filmmakers. I'm like feel like I'm the only filmmaker who never really wanted to make a horror movie. There's a couple yeah. of reasons. One is I, I get scared really easily. Like I'm a little kid. I don't like graphic stuff. That and like people tell me it's really cheap. And I never seen why it's really cheap because makeup is very time consuming. It's very expensive. Yeah. Um. I could see actually me and my sister we produce films together. Uh, we've talked about making a suspense horror film. Yeah. Something more along the lines of like the 1950s sort of like, uh, you know, type of films. The, the lack of scary things. Those yeah. you can see as being like a fiscally easier thing to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's so many horror films, but they can be made on the cheap because there is such a hunger for them. Yeah. And uh, people seem to really like it. And I think people have a tendency to lean more towards, they'll lean more towards one or the other. One is either a super, super, super serious one. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you're talking like um, uh, The Conjuring. Okay. Which yeah. I saw. I was forced to watch. Someone bought me dinner and said, you have to watch this movie. Yeah. And I was, I'm, I'm like clinging to the guy like a little kid because the movie scared the hell out of me. Great movie. I don't know if you've ever seen The Conjuring. Mm -hmm. um, I, I loved it. You know, yeah. that type of mixture of old and new stuff element yeah. that was really, really cool. Um, that and like the so cheap but you were talking about bad horror movie that is just fantastic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to me, I was like, like my B films were always like the uh, the really cheap, cheesy martial arts movie, like oh, you yeah, know, yeah. The Protector seventy five or something like that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and so that like, but those little B movies, I always thought could be real. I would look to them to some inspiration because even though they were cheap, and even though you know they're cheap. There's a level of sometimes you you find yourself getting lost in those films and th that little world. Mm -hmm. Sometimes easier than you do a big budget film, in my opinion. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I I agree, and I think a big reason is that is you know you put out a movie and you have what the director wants, mm -hmm. right? And then, however, the rest of the process, then you have what the focus group wants. So right. maybe they have to go back and reshoot the movie to add something. I think this is the problem Suicide Squad had. Yeah. Is. Ooh, shit. 
we go off air? No, uh, <laughs> my camera stopped running though, which is quite oh, it's odd. my face. No, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was really weird. Why would it do that? I don't know. Ah, we're experiencing technical difficulty. Been there, done that. No. <laughs> yeah, I would. Oh man, I'd be so mad if the entire interview was just off. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> it, it, it's working. The audio is running. I don't care. Uh, audio, yeah. Have to do audio. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> so, but Suicide Squad had the same issue because you know they wanted something from it, and then like the focus group was like, no, we want more funny so yeah they had to go back and redo a bunch of stuff and you're like just leave it the way it, you know it, it should be because the director has an idea and yeah he has a vision that it he could have been see, such you know? a fantastic movie like yeah. you could feel it. there was some elements of it now again i wasn't a fan of the comic and there's some parts i mm-hmm. really loved it felt too long it felt too it was trying too hard to be emotional i don't i don't even get that you know yeah um and uh it was like it. It felt kind of scatterbrained. Like someone was there's too many ideas going around. Yeah, and then that's probably what happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. And but to see, but when you have like these B films, it's usually a very small crew. Yeah. And um, and no one will make enough money. And I um, one of the things I've gotten contradicted on <clears throat> was I I don't feed my crew on set. There's no catering. Yeah. And the reason why is because when I first started going to filmmaking, I actually looked up what budgets were when I was a mm-hmm. teenager. Surprisingly enough, I did this type of research, which is still surprising me and almost all the budgets almost in the entire element of a budget of, a, of an independent film went into catering now hmm. uh, it's expensive to feed food so I said alright you know I'll do this I'll keep the shoots much shorter um, so they're not there long enough to get hungry because I can't afford it it was flat out it wasn't that I didn't want to flat out I couldn't afford to buy food for people. Yeah. Why? Way too much. It's expensive. You have four kids. Yeah. Is food cheap? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes. All right. <laughs> you know? And actors are like little vacuums. They just suck up all the food that is, that is yeah. ar- you know, around them. Yeah. Wasn't there a plastic bag with these chips, too? <laughs> Where did that go? Oh, that's so funny. And so I finally found out that you had people would show up on set that just wanted to be a part of this film. And I think when you have those little B films, you have only the people who really want to be be a part of this movie yeah. who like this type of genre and I think that's the reason why sometimes they have a much more ability to get lost in it you know yeah. the charm yeah um, and like you said like there's less hands which mm-hmm. is what I think is the most important is there's less hands between the director and his vision yep. and what comes out on scene yes what comes out in video and I think again like you wouldn't take Picasso let him draw and then be like no no we want to change these couple yeah. of parts because to make it better for the focus group right yeah you know no you let the art come out the way it's supposed to come out right. and you leave it in the hands of the artist <laughs> yes you know and it, it makes no sense why they would do that right. now you uh you mean saying but you said you were in the army right yes okay so then you understand what a chain of command is yeah there's no different when you're on set yeah. someone's got to have a final say and this whole idea that no one's a boss and no one's actually in charge is bullshit. It doesn't get anything done that way. And you have, you have a mess. You have to have people who are willing to, you have to have someone, a leader who's willing to take input. By the end of the day, he's still got to make sure it's staying, you're staying in focus. You're going yeah. in the direction that you want to do. So you have your director and your, you know, your main producer typically, you know, is the best way to go about doing it. Then you have people who, you, you let the actors have a dictation on their character. You drive, everyone's their own little world. The lighting guy, his world is a lighting, you know? Mm-hmm. So he has to say on a lot of the lighting, on the condition the director sees that it's still pushing the, the story forward, yeah. you know? Um, and then the actor is their own little world. So they, they have to just dictate a lot of elements of their character that the director doesn't have a say on, yeah. to a degree, on the condition it 
t- pushes the storyline yeah. forward and keeping those hands out of the pie so you're in charge of this and you're in charge of that and I just make sure that we all kind of stay going in the right direction yeah. you know I think I think you know is you know is what keeps things going and then owning whatever it is you do it's like wait this is the decision we're going to go with this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta own it yeah you have <laughs> you to own it right. yeah. Yours, you know, yeah, you know, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you try too hard and because if, if you try too hard you try too hard to be afraid of you know it, you're just going to wreck it anyways yeah you know yeah, huh, that's funny. Yeah, I was, I love. Like, we have a lot of similarity, similarities, similarities mm-hmm. when it comes to what we do. Like I write stories and books and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Never got into the film side of it. I mean, I would love to, and I have an idea of some things I would love to do. But I write in the fantasy realm, mm-hmm. which is just pain in the butt when you're talking money and oh stuff God, like that. Yeah. So <laughs> we're like, looking into making one right now, and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we're not gonna make this anytime soon. Yeah. This is <laughs> I mean, way too complicated. I, ha- I have this one book that. If I could turn it into a movie, mm-hmm. I think it would be phenomenal, especially as you, you put money into the special effects and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think, like, I hate fucking saying this. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wrote, I started writing the book back when I was in school. So, you're talking about the time the towers were bombed to 2001. Oh, wow. Um, so, long time ago. Mm-hmm. But since then, plenty of things have come out similar. <laughs> Correct. So, <laughs> I have been down that. Fuck it. I had that story. I yeah. had it. Why didn't I do so something think, with it? So think, Game of Thrones meets Avatar, like Last okay. Airbender. Yep. And that's the kind of world you're kind of talking about, and it's really cool, and the story's phenomenal. A lot more mystical with the. Uh, yeah, and it's much darker, and it's much more realistic. Right. And, yeah. You know, it's not very kid friendly. Yeah. And but it's it's way more fun. And it's definitely not Avatar Last Airbender yeah. because it came out before right. those stories. But um, so it's something like that. But I, of course, I have nearly the budget or the experience. So yeah. I'm eventually going to find someone and be like, here, make the freaking movie. Well, for, for, first thing, you, yeah, first thing you do is like, you know, I, I got to get approached. And this is this is very, very important. If you're if you're a script writer and you don't have a script, you're not a script writer. Yeah. If you're a filmmaker and you don't have a film, you're not a filmmaker. Yeah. And so I, uh, you know, the first thing you do, um, I tell people, is do your job. Yeah. You know, if you're the script writer, get the script written, you know, yeah. and if you get the script written, cool. Now find someone else to do their job. Yeah. You know, and, the, but you won't, if you don't have something, you have nothing. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and so if you have this, you know, you know, and I, cause I, I get called all the time to say, Oh, I got the story idea. I'm like, and I hate it when I get those calls because I don't want to, because it's like, you know, I want to make my stories, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but it's difficult enough to get mine focused, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I would say, you know, well, let me see the script because I'll read the script. For the most part, I'll, I'll almost always read the script. It's, it's, you know, I, one kid I felt bad. I never actually finished the script. And I, I just said, you know, I kept telling him, look, hassle me. I'm a busy guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not against reading the script, but I've got other things going on. If you call me up and just tell me, did you read the script? I'm going to eventually just be annoyed by you and I'll read the damn script. <laughs> um, but to get, to get your part of the job done, then you say, okay, now what's the next step? Um, I was, uh, my new job, I was telling you, I have a day job because every artist needs a day job if you're listening to this, okay? (laughs) It's not a joke. That's the thing that keeps you alive. And uh, as long as it helps push your agenda forward, as long as the job doesn't take away from your life, it it supports the thing that you want to support, you know, that you're trying to, the direction you're trying to go in. I was told I have to audit everything that was in this warehouse. There was a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. means everything has to be audited and logged. And I almost had like a little panic attack. If my boss is listening to this, I did it though, so don't be mad. <laughs> um, I said, okay, you know what? So do one item at a time. Just just do one item. Start with one item. 
yeah. get it done. And the new Justice League movie, um, uh, there's a scene where Flash starts flipping out. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> um, Flash starts flipping out, and he goes over to Batman. And he says, I can't rescue, I, I can't, I'm not a hero. I don't fight, yeah. I don't do battle and everything like that. And Batman just says, look, do me a favor, right? Save one person. He goes, okay, then what? He says, then you'll know what to do. Yeah, you know, and that I thought that's a really good that's a really good example. Like, get one scene done, you know, or get one word done, and then get another word done, and then you know, and then move on, and you know, yeah. then move on from there. Once you have a script, you may now know how you actually want to see this. So then, from there, you may find someone to help you draw the the concept art. Yeah. And from there, that person may say you may see it, and it'll give you the next step to say, okay, now I know what the next step is. I got to do, and that's those little. Steps, you know, you can't look at it from a big perspective. Start off with the thing you need to get done. No, no film gets done without a story. You have a story, and no story, no script is capable without without a story. So you have a story. Now it needs a script. And now it needs a film. And now it, you know now now it needs a crew. And now it needs a film. And now it needs an editor. And now it needs an audience. Yeah. And now, you know, and then restart everything again. You know, yeah. so oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So just you know, that's, mm. do that, and then everything else will start to follow at that point. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about the Justice League movie, which also didn't get very good. Ratings. No. Like, that's probably the one scene that I think is the best scene of the movie. It is, is probably that, the best scene of the movie. That one scene yeah. you were just talking about. Yeah. For whatever reason, Flash is my favorite superhero. Generally. Right. And, but you're right. That's, that one scene stands out because it's like, out of all of the other superheroing, for whatever reason, that, that one stands out. That scene had a lot out. of weight to it. You know? Yeah. Like, he's actually teaching another superhero. Like, yeah. there's something about that scene of, like, passing on that knowledge. And mm-hmm. it's, like, the only scene in the movie that I'm, like, that was actually really good. <laughs> I see. I, in general, <laughs> like the movie, but that scene stuck out the most. Yeah. Um, I think I think I probably liked it because everyone told me how shitty it was. And then I finally saw it on the flight over to, I was flying over to Europe. Yeah. And I hate flying, so I have to watch something. <laughs> okay, uh, Batman, cool. I'll put, you know, I'll, I'll put this in. And I started watching. I, I didn't, I actually, I didn't think it deserved the berating that it got. Yeah. It wasn't the best wasn't the best definitely wasn't the best superhero movie I've seen. It wasn't, you know, it was pretty good, I thought. Um, but that scene in particular was great. Yeah. Like that little moment was just yeah. you know it had right, it had nothing to do with any special effects. It had nothing to do yeah. with, you know Yeah. Just and a little human. Yeah. Yeah. Oh that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean... I don't do battle. I just push people and run away. Like, yeah. that's, that's it's a great line. Yeah, it's hysterical. It's, one of my, it's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? It actually just gave me an idea. I love, like I said, I love horror movies. I love mm-hmm. military-type stuff, mm-hmm. basically military. I want to do... Because now I have all the gears spinning in my head, which will never get done, but it'll be fun to plan it out anyway. Start one. Like, mm-hmm. a military horror movie where, like realistic military mm-hmm. action functions so it's not like you typically see in B-rated movies yeah but like a serious uh, like you said suspense where you don't actually get to see um, what well, kind of similar to Predator it's actually going right similar yeah, yeah. minus so, the macho gun uh, gun tactics right yeah because that's, that's, that's still a little much though yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, great movie but that's yeah, yeah not I think realistic. that would be pretty cool and I think yeah. that would be yeah, I'll figure that one out. Yeah, yeah, step by step. You know, they, cause they, did, they did something similar to that, which is like, um, what was it, Battle Los Angeles. I saw that. Battle LA was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I don't. And I know they had a lot of actual Marines teaching, but I don't know. I'm not a military guy, so yeah. I don't know how accurate it, yeah. it was it's in okay. tactics. Um, the know. funniest movie I was thinking about is Range 13. And there was if you, it's oh my god! Is that made by the coffee guys? Yeah, those those yes, the black, the black ra- yes, yeah, yeah. black rifle coffee guys. Oh my god! William Shatner's in that, right? Yes. yes. 
that movie is hysterical, right? Um, because it's all veteran made, produced. Right. Every one of the movies veterans. Yeah. But I wanted. So what I was thinking of like something like that, but serious. So right. it wasn't like a comedy. Was that movie good? It's military. Like, okay. if you understand the, the just the dark humor of being right. in the army, then it's 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 entertaining. I should right. say I shouldn't say it's good or not. It's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go into it with super expectations. All you right. know? I love so those guys do such awesome videos yeah. that just I've watched. I've watched all. What was it like? The ISIS button to me was like. You ever see yeah, that? Yeah. Oh my god, that's yeah. Those, those guys. Those guys are wrong. I got a whole bunch of their coffee. For Christmas, my yeah. dad got me for Christmas. He got me a whole bunch of their coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black rifle coffee. Oh my god, it's actually really good coffee too. Yeah, yeah it's supposed to be pretty strong. Uh, there was there was silencer smooth, which is like your afternoon coffee. I kid you not. It's like yeah. AK forty seven dark, um, basic black. Mm. I think like so they have all these they have all these uh, these yeah. like you know weapon sounding weapon sounding names. Um, and uh, some of it is like really heavy duty. Some of it is you know smooth. They have a pretty. I got I got like yeah. four or five bags of it. But now we're talking about coffee. Well, I'm a filmmaker. We have to talk yeah, about we coffee. Have <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. So yeah, I mean, we're running up on what's typically way longer than a normal interview for me. Which oh, sorry. I'm, no, don't be sorry. I love uh, it. Uh, um, a lot of guests are again nervous. You have a lot of experience, and they just. It, it's harder to talk for a long time and yeah. they don't engage me in questions and so if you're listening to me you know feel free to have a conversation like, that's the <laughs> point of these shows you know sorry if I was overrunning you I don't mean that <laughs> no, it's, it's exactly what I want the show to be because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know who Joe Rogan is yeah oh I love Joe Rogan okay. yeah. so his podcast is like two three hours long each Yeah. that's what I originally wanted this to be but with uh, an entrepreneurial focus Right. but a lot of people can't talk for that long Yeah. So, but I would love to sit down and have like these cool powerful conversations of real in-depth stuff like we've right. been talking about and then of getting it done yeah like, that's that to me is always get it done yeah what's the next step to getting it done as mm-hmm. i said you have an idea cool write a storyline have a storyline cool now write a script now yeah. find a filmmaker now yeah. find, you know what i mean you yeah. know and that you know it, there are steps to doing it and it's not always money and people want to say you know money's the answer and they use that as an excuse to hide yeah you know and uh but I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, not a huge difference on the entrepreneurial side versus the video production side, except yeah. usually entrepreneurial people have a bit more of a, a working mentality, yeah. which is what I think the, the artistic world needs an understanding that that's how you get it done. It's not, yeah. you know, so sorry, I didn't mean it. No, that's fine. Yeah, right. Because um, I was going to say, there's a book called The One Thing. It kind of talks about what you're talking about, mm-hmm. is a lot of it comes from, you have a, do- you have a little domino. Right. Then you knock over that domino, and that the force of that domino will knock over one thirty-three percent bigger than itself. Yeah. And that one can knock over one thirty-three percent bigger than itself, and eventually, you know, you can knock over the skyscraper that you thought was unobtainable. Right. Just because you set the pieces up properly, and you took you started the motion with the little domino. Right. So it's kind of like that. You're like, you can get everything going. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how much easier it is to get money. If you have even the framework of something in the works already, yeah, you know they're like, oh, I need to get money to make the movie. I'm like, well, start making the movie, and you'll find a sponsor. Yeah, like you'll find people that want to sponsor it. You it's know. a cash twenty two. Prove yeah. you're worth it in order to be, in order to you know to get some worth. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> essentially, and uh, but it works. Yeah, and you know even for the show, like I, I didn't start the show to find sponsors. Right. You know, but I, I started doing the show where like. 115 episodes in now and or more oh, that's awesome. I forget and you know we're finding sponsors that want to be on this type of program right so you know it's important 
but you got to do the work first. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to you got to prove you got to prove you're worthy. I mean, it's essentially it's internships have changed yeah. now. Yeah. You know, but that's what an internship was. You didn't mm-hmm. get paid crap or anything at all sometimes, but you worked <laughs> to prove that you were, you know, yeah. that that, you know, that that you were you were worth it and yeah. And then then you, you know, if you are not just given things for free, you begin to find out what it is you really want in my opinion. Yeah. You know, and if you work for it, you know, a lot of times cuz we're we're lazy i mean we're survivalists you know kind of down our nature so we're not going to put up with a lot of crap without getting a much benefit yeah and if we're not appreciating like really appreciating being a part of the film world like i have really never gotten paid i've gotten very little money for making films um whether being an actor or whatever but i just love the atmosphere so much that i'm willing to work a day job as much as i can as much as i need to in order to keep Focus and keep, yeah. keep ending up on absolutely. on set, and that's what that's what makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So, people that want to get in touch with you, either uh, do you, oh, here's a good question: Can people watch your movies? They can watch some <laughs> of them. Yes, we're going to be getting a few more up later this year on Amazon Prime. We've, we've made okay. a decision. We tried doing some film festival routes, but our films don't lend towards film festivals. So, you know, what? We if we're going to get them up on Amazon Prime. Um, we have a YouTube channel where we have a web series called um, Artists and Idiots. It's a comedic web series. We have like 30-something episodes on that. I've been filming one in a while. That's a narrow... Everything is under Narrow Street Films banner. Narrow Street, fully spelled out films. Yes, we have a Facebook page, website. Um, uh, My Twitter handle, I think, is... Look me up, Terry Trainer on Twitter... You can follow me on that, but I think my Twitter handle is Walker Texas Terry right now. I think, <laughs> which is a nickname someone used to give me because I used to kick stuff at work. He says you like roundhouse kick everything, so I'm going to start calling you that that's or Jean Claude Van Terrence, which I like that one too. Yeah, that's where you go. Yeah, so, but yeah, that'd be the best way to get in t- uh, get in touch with us. So. Okay, awesome. Right. Thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you very yeah, much. For absolutely. Having me. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching. Wow, I messed that up. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we're going to have our last word from our sponsors. And everyone, have a great day. It's an amazing thing. Here on the Hands Business Show, I have funnels that do things like bring me clients to come onto the show, sell some of my products, do all this stuff. And I can do all of that while I'm sleeping. It's fantastic. So head over to hngbusinessshow.com slash funnels to find out how you can get all those systems in place for yourself.